0: Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 7 through 15. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. This is the word of God for the people of God thanks be to God. You may be seated. My mother-in-law taught elementary school for, well, some of you may know her, so I'll just say she taught school for a long time. And one thing that comes with teaching is an onslaught of gifts. At Christmas And at the end of the school year now when my kids were little we always bought gift cards for the teachers and i'm sure barbara got a few of those over the years but if you were to look at her home i think she mainly got cows somehow you see word got out that ms millstead liked cows And so she got cow hand towels and cow figures and cow salt and pepper shakers and cow figures and cow mugs and cow figures. Her house was filled with the cute little guys and gals. I mean, bulls and heifers. And I think it came to a head the day that Herbie, my sweet, sweet father-in-law, said to her, we have so many cows in this house, I think I'm going to wake up next to one one morning. I was like, no, Herbie. But, you know, her students meant well. They wanted to get something special for their teacher, but they didn't know much about her except that she liked cows. And you know, this is the sort of thing that happens when a life gets narrowed down to just one thing. One story, one characteristic. Sometimes it's benign and you end up with a house full of cow tchotchkes, but it can be much, much more serious. In this morning scripture from the fourth chapter of the Gospel of John, we heard about Jesus meeting and speaking to a Samaritan woman at a well outside of her town. Jesus is alone because the disciples have gone to get food while Jesus rests. I actually think that Jesus had a divine appointment with the Samaritan woman, and that's why he stayed back. But the text does say that he was tired and he stayed at the well alone. Now, our reading this morning was a shortened version of his entire exchange with the woman. And I want to share a little bit more of that conversation with you. So remember, our reading ended with Jesus asking with the woman asking Jesus to give her the water he was talking about so that she would never be thirsty again and she would never have to go back to the well to draw water again. After that, Jesus says to her, go, call your husband, and come back. And the woman says to him, I have no husband. And Jesus responded, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands... And the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. So you see, you see what Jesus did there, right? He asked her a leading question about her husband because he already knew exactly who this woman was and about all of her relationship history and her current status. And it is this discussion about the numbers of husbands and about her currently having a husband that is not her own that causes many of us to read this text today And to decide that she is a sinner somehow. Some commentators have read into the fact that she is coming to the well to fetch water alone in the middle of the day, that she was an outcast from the other women of the city. Because if she wasn't, why would she go alone? But I think we have to take care not to try to read too much into this, because Jesus doesn't indicate anything about these facts. About her, other than that, that they are just facts. And I'd like to point this out. These facts about her marital status are facts about her life that as a woman in that day and time she had no control over. So, Jesus just says what he knows about her and the woman's response, that's what tells us what the point was of this interaction and what he said. She says, sir, I see that you are a prophet. So these facts about her were just a way that Jesus could demonstrate to her a little bit more actually about himself. At first, he was to her just a Jew at a well outside of a Samaritan city, who surprised her by even speaking to her Now she recognizes him as a prophet. And then she says to him, our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you, a Jew, say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. So now the woman is talking to Jesus as a Jew from the viewpoint of Samaritans. As hard as this is to believe, the Samaritans whom the Jews despised and would have nothing to do with, they were actually historically related to the Jews. And the point that she raises about the place where God must be worshipped, well, that was one of the main points of contention between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Jews said that God chose Mount Zion in Jerusalem and the Samaritans believed God chose Mount Gezerim near Shechem and so they worshiped God accordingly in the places that they thought were holy. Jesus just wipes that geographical distinction away this point that has caused a rift between people that have similar beliefs, when he says back to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Their conversation continues. The woman admits to him that she knows that the Messiah is coming and Jesus, in return, tells her that he is that Messiah. Jesus took his time that day at the well, not only to meet the woman and extend to her living water, but he took time to let her know him fully. He moved from Jew to prophet to Messiah in her understanding. Now at this point, the disciples return. They wonder politely to themselves why Jesus is talking to her The woman returns to the city, and she tells everyone about Jesus. Her testimony alone convinces many in the city to believe, and many more seek Jesus out themselves and come to believe through his teachings. So I mentioned that modern-day readers often hear this story about this woman who had many husbands, And because we are not equipped to understand what all of those details mean, we kind of flatten that down to what makes the most sense to us, that she was a sinner, that she was an outcast from her community. And while that may or may not be true, what we are prone to missing was the two things about her that were more than enough to make her an outcast that make it unusual. For Jesus to be talking to her. One was that she was a Samaritan, and two was that she was a woman. Flattened down to one or two characteristics, the disciples likely did not see the woman. They kind of discounted her completely. But thank you, Jesus, that you did not look at her like the world including your closest followers. Jesus saw her as a child of God, a child of God who was more than her gender or her ethnicity or her marital status, if in fact that was an issue. Jesus made a divine appointment with this child of God and offered her water, living water. And when Jesus offered it, she not only took it, but she went back to town and she shared it. And through her, many came to be believers. And I also give thanks to Jesus for giving this story to the author of the Gospel of John to tell it so that we would hear it today and know that you look at each of us, God. You look at each of us in the same way you looked at that woman at the well. Jesus does not look at each of us like the world does. You know this. The world often looks at us like we are the sum total of our biggest mistake or our latest accomplishment. The world often looks at us like we are solely our race or our gender, or our socioeconomic position, or our sexuality, or our job title, or our marital status, or who and how many our offspring may be. The world often looks at us this way, boiled down to one or two easily labeled characteristics because it is easy. It is quick. It is efficient. But Jesus looks at us each one as the special, unique, purposely created children of God that we are. Jesus sees all of us and loves all of us as we are because of who we are, because of who we are in our totality, not just in part. And Jesus wants us to know him deeply too, and fully as prophet, Messiah, giver of living water. You know, my mother-in-law is now many many years out from her retirement, and she does still have a few cows around the house, but you know what she has more of? She has more butterflies. Because those who really know her know that while she thought cows were cute, she really loves the words that butterflies remind her of from 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Those of us who know her and love her know this about her, and we know so much more. We know her as a faithful wife, a loving mother, a doting grandmother, an often very silly sister and friend. We know her as a prayer warrior who is passionate about caring for the sick and the shut-in. We also know her as a woman who refuses to take cold french fries from the drive through or a steak that is not prepared exactly the way she ordered it at a restaurant. But the most important thing we know about Barbara is something all of you know about her too. You know she's a child of God. And knowing this is the starting point for how I would expect you to treat her should you ever meet her. It is the same starting point we should apply when we meet any other person, for we are all children of God. And that is the third reason I give thanks to Jesus today. I say thank you, Jesus, for giving this story to the author of the Gospel of John, not only so we would know how completely we are seen and loved, but that we would be reminded that when we are called by your name, Christian, we are to be Christ-like in how we see and love others. God's word is beautiful in this way, in how it is both affirming and challenging at the same time. While we can find comfort in placing ourselves in a story like this one as the Samaritan woman, a place where we find love and acceptance, full understanding and an offer of living water, we should also find ourselves squirming just a little bit when we place ourselves in a story like this one, not as Jesus, but as those who seek to be like Jesus, are we as gracious with our fellow man, woman, and child as Jesus, treating one another as brothers and sisters in Christ before we know anything else about each other? Are we careful to spend the time necessary to not only let those we meet know us fully, but to also know them fully and to accept them? Are we extending the gospel of Jesus and the nurture of God's love to everyone we meet, not just to those that we have flattened down to be close enough to ourselves for us to be comfortable with? May our weary hearts be refreshed. May our anxious minds be eased. And may our parched souls be quenched by the living water we find in Jesus Christ. And then may we bear this water to all we meet today, be they friend or foe, neighbor or stranger, the spirit inside of us speaking to the spirit inside of them. And may all we do and all we say be for the glory of our creator, God, always and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for taking time whenever we take time for you. You know us fully and you want us to know you fully as well. You offer us so much. You offer us life-giving water. May we be accepting of it. And may we be those who take it out into the world without discrimination. That we may look at all that we meet. Your sacred children. That if they do not know you, that we would work somehow for your glory, that they may come to know you. Lord, thank you for meeting us and help us to be like you when we meet others. It is in your name we pray. Amen.